This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon from Christmas Day 2016 is by Canon Stephen Gautier. A blessed Christmas to all of you. You know, in my parents' generation, Christmas always brought up memories of the Battle of the Bulge in the Second World War. It was fought over the Christmas holidays, and so people were always remembered at that time. And I don't know about you, I said before in sermons, I really like contemporary documents like journals and letters because they're so innocent. People don't know the rest of the story. I, I find that appealing about them. So thinking about that with the Battle of the Bulge, I'm naturally interested in some letters, you know, letters between soldiers and the people who left back home. There are thousands of these letters, of course, that have survived in families. But there's one such letter, I, I'm think, set of letters I'm thinking of now that involves a, a veteran of the Battle of the Bulge and a girl back home. And there's a girl back home in a very small town, and the letters began in 1943. And he was 23 at that time, and she was 20. Now, being in a small town, they knew each other, but didn't much like each other, but they knew each other. But she began to write him letters. And you say, well, gee, why would you do that? Well, there's a patriotic campaign that we had to write the boys to raise morale at the front. So the idea was everyone should write letters to help the boys at the front. So she began writing him letters. And he was a first sergeant. He was a combat engineer. And those are people who in combat do things like blow up bridges and build bridges and those kind of good things. And his unit was first of all posted to Northern Ireland. And then they were moved, in these letters, they're moved to England in anticipation of the invasion at Normandy in 1944. And it's interesting, during this time, patriotism, remember these letters were first written simply as an effort to do the right thing, turned to love. And so he actually proposes in letters that she marry him, and she says yes. But the world went on, and the war continued around them. He was in England for the invasion of Europe, and that's where he went. His unit debarked uh, on Normandy on June 8th, the third day of the invasion. His unit participated in the liberation of Paris. And actually, there's a funny episode with that that comes up. Is he went to Notre Dame in Paris, and he wanted to get her something. And being Catholic, he bought her a rosary, a nice rosary, and sent it to her. And by complete happenstance, she had bought a rosary and sent it to him, which he received the next week for Christmas. And when they looked at the rosary, she found out the rosary she received from France had been made in the United States. And he found out that the rosary he, uh, he had received from her had been made in France. You can't make that up. It was funny. Okay. And then, as we mentioned, in December, he was at the Battle of the Bulge, and his unit of combat engineers was very proud of their greatest accomplishment. I think the record is still there. They built the longest bridge ever built under fire over the Rhine River. Then, on a more somber note, his unit liberated the German concentration camp at Buchenwald. And also, he was wounded in Germany with a bazooka hit his jeep. Uh, he recovered. Then sometime in 1945, all this is going on, the letters stop completely, and they never begin again. So what could have happened? Could he have been killed in those last days of the war? That happened to people, tragically. People got through all those things. Somehow it would be, think of General Patton or somehow, somehow in an accident would die. Did she find somebody else? Or did he just get cold feet? They talked about getting married as soon as he got home. Well, it's about that time. Did he just get cold feet? 
Well, happily, we don't have to speculate. We actually know exactly what happened. He came home safe and sound. They got married, and here I am. Now, so there are... <laughs> so, the, real, the reason there was no reason for any future letters was because my mom didn't need any more letters. She had the letter writer with her to the very last day of her life. So Christmas reminds us that the same thing can be said of us and God thanks to the incarnation of Jesus Christ. That's our story as well. Until the birth of Jesus, John told us that the Word was with God. It's from the, very, from the beginning, the Word was with God. But the Word wasn't with us. And so God had to communicate His Word through messengers, indirectly. Remember we said in the word, beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But in Hebrews we're told, long ago and at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. So the Word was with God, but the Word wasn't with us. And we had messengers, our letters. But at the Incarnation, that all changes. At the Incarnation, God now speaks directly to us. It says, but in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son. And more than that, the Word actually came to be among us forever. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is why one of the great saints of the church, John the Cross, said, Jesus is the last word of God, God's final word, title of our sermon. Why is it God's final word? Because there's nothing that remains to be said, because we have the word himself in person. Now, what does that mean for us, thinking this Christmas morning? I think I love a detail in one of the stories of Jesus walking on the water in John's gospel. Let me read just a few lines. Let me read it to you. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea and got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three, when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately... The boat was at the land to which they were going. This isn't Mark's gospel where the word immediately is used every other line. This is John. They took him into the boat and what happens? Immediately, the boat was at the land to which they were going. The fathers of the church explained this to us, why this is important. They said, remember when Jesus says, I'm the way, the way, the truth, and life, I'm the way. He's also God, so he's not only the way to God, he's God, so he's also the destination. When we take the way, when we start walking with Jesus in a very real way, we're already at the destination. It's the classic already, but not yet. So why does the incarnation of Jesus give us such confidence today, 21 centuries later? It's not just a historical fact. It's a continuing reality. God truly, it's incredible, the God who made the heavens and the earth has become one of us. And it wasn't just for a moment like the angel of the Lord appearing. No, it wasn't for a moment. It wasn't even for the lifetime of Jesus. Je Jesus didn't cease to be human once he was raised from the dead. Jesus became human. God became human, took flesh forever. 
Jesus at the right hand of the Father is true God and true man. He's one of us forever. Paul says to Timothy, for there's one God and there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. You know, for me personally, there's one story in the Gospels that beautifully illustrates this truth. It's another, it's on, this time instead of Jesus walking in the water, there's a storm on the sea in Galilee. And amazingly, they're desperate. They think the ship's going to go under, they're trying everything, and Jesus, incredibly, is asleep. Not, not only is he not, that's a supreme unconcern. Not only is he not visibly concerned, he's asleep in the boat. And they panic, and finally they wake him up and say, don't you care, we're all going to drown. And Jesus scolds them for their lack of faith. Now, why would he do that? Well, after all, he was asleep. Well, true, they should have known by now, given what had happened, who he was. And also it's true, given all the miracles he had performed, they should have had an idea of what he could do. But I think there's a better reason. Jesus is in the same boat. Have we thought about that? Why are they worried he's in the same boat? That's the story of the incarnation. God has taken our, our way upon. He's taken us, our life as his, his own. He's in the same boat. That's why we're, we're without concern. We know his care for us. To an unbelieving world, if God exists, he must be distant and uncaring. Christmas reminds us to the contrary of the truth that God has actually entered into our story and made his own story. He's truly Emmanuel, God with us. So Christmas is our reminder that God is present. Like my parents' story, the distance is gone. It's replaced by a present that retain, continues forever. He's cast his lot with us. Jesus is Emmanuel, not who God who was with us, God who is with us now. So where do we find him? We can hear his living voice today when we hear the word of God written, infused by the power of the Holy Spirit. God speaks to us through the scriptures. He really speaks. We don't read about God, we hear him. We can actually feel Jesus. Remember, John is next to the bosom of Jesus at the Last Supper. We can, we can feel his heartbeat. Where does that happen? Right here at the table. Paul says that when we take the bread and the cup, he says, is this not a participation in the body and blood of Christ. Like John at the Last Supper, we actually feel his heartbeat when we take communion. And we can actually see him breathing. Remember the Hebrew and Greek words for, uh, for, for spirit is breath. It's the same word, breath, wind, and spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is the breath of Jesus, the breath of God. We see that breath in the gifts of the Holy Spirit in his church, his body, the church. God is all around us. He's with us in his word, at his table, and in the gifts of the Holy Spirit he's given to his church. In summary then, in the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, God has said everything that ever needs to be said. So it's not God who needs to speak, it's we who need to listen. Let us pray for the grace of having ears to hear. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.